We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's up everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl thanks so much for joining me today just got back from packers family night which was entertaining and uh, certainly had a lot of news and notes, which we're going to get to in just a moment. Uh, but you never really hope that we are starting off with a injury report or an injury update. And unfortunately, that's what we're doing today. I think there's some good news and there's some bad news on the injury front. But uh, right at the start of practice, as Green Bay is going through some one-on-ones, Darnell Savage is covering Amari Rogers, And as they're going downfield, Darnell Savage pulls up. It looked like he grabbed at his hamstring a little bit, sort of hops around, kind of limps off the field, and then goes to the sideline and does not return for the remainder of practice, which clearly is going to leave some level of concern as Green Bay doesn't exactly have a ton of depth at the safety position. Even if they did, you never want to see a starter go down in a family night practice with a non-contact injury. So that certainly sparked a, uh, you know, some, some, you know, angst and anxiety and a variety of other feelings, I'm sure, as Savage is seen limping off and again, not returning to practice. Um, I think the immediate good news was that there was no cart, there was no crutches, there was no walking boot. There's nothing like anything of that sort, which was the first indication that, okay, maybe this isn't quite as bad. He stayed on the sidelines and you know just kind of got a little bit of medical attention to the sidelines. He certainly had it iced up pretty good, uh, but there was, again, no carting off or anything like that. Um, the, the bad news is, of course, he didn't return to practice. And then we got better news as we you know were able to hear from Matt LaFleur and Darnell Savage after practice. When uh, Matt LaFleur was asked if there was a level of concern, he said, quote, I don't believe so. He didn't seem too nervous about it, meaning Darnell Savage. And then when Savage was, at, was asked about it, he basically said he didn't feel a pop or anything, just a little tightness, and then it shut down. So it seemed like there wasn't a great deal of concern that this was some sort of ACL, long-term injury, anything thing like that, but definitely going to be an injury worth monitoring anytime you have, uh, you know, a athletic 
athletic, fast safety that has some sort of hamstring, whether it's even just tightness, um, that's a level of concern, right? So uh, we will see on practice on Sunday. You know, I doubt Darnell Savage is going to be back then. I think, you know, the big thing here, right, is that Darnell Savage wasn't going to probably play in any of the preseason games anyway, maybe a cup of coffee in one of the games, but nothing to any major extent. So as long as he's ready to go for week one, you know, you're not really concerned about, you know, him missing a couple weeks here or there. You know, we basically know what Darnell Savage is at this point. He's had a pretty good camp uh, to this point. Um, you know, it's just going to be a question of, can he get back for Minnesota? Maybe he's back, you know, well sooner than that, or maybe it drags on a little bit, but that is definitely going to be something worth monitoring. The good news, once again, is the fact that it doesn't seem like either Darnell Savage or Matt LaFleur had a great deal of concern about it. The bad news is it sounds like this wasn't the only injury. None, I don't know of anyone that noticed any other injuries or players coming off the field, but Matt LaFleur did mention after practice that they actually shut down practice about 20 minutes early because of, quote, various hamstring and groin issues. So that's you never want to hear various hamstring and groin issues at the end of a practice, right? So these, you know, these family nights are going to be a little bit more intense. You had 50,112 fans attending a practice, and that's going to ramp things up and players are going to go a little bit faster and a little bit harder. There's going to be a little bit more intensity. And when that happens, you're bound to have a couple things that, you know, maybe start to tighten up a little bit or, you know, a, a strain or a pull here or there. So hopefully Green Bay was able to get out of the practice mostly unscathed. We'll see what the injury report lists on Sunday and who's practicing and who's not. Um, that'll definitely be a, a big tell at that point to see if anyone's back, if anyone's out, and so on and so forth. But, you know, one thing we know about Matt LaFleur is he's going to take great care of his players. So if anyone's nursing anything at all, he's going to give them all the time that they need to recover from that and make sure that they're ready to go for the regular season. But we should know more on Sunday with who is and isn't practicing at that point. Other than that, uh, we'll get to some of the big plays in just a moment, but there was one other injury that came up prior to the start of practice. And it's maybe not the most noteworthy name, but I think it's an unfortunate and noteworthy injury nonetheless. Randy Ramsey did not practice and he was out with an ankle injury. Now, we don't know if it's the same ankle injury that he had previously or if it's the other ankle or if it's the same ankle, but a different type of injury. But either way, he had major ankle issues, surgeries, etc. that he was just coming back from. And the fact that he has another ankle injury now, I think he was already a bit behind the eight ball and just trying to come back from a pretty devastating injury and trying to make it on this team. You know, he's battling with Tipa and Ladarius Hamilton and, um, you know, Kingsley and Igbari to, to try to get back and, and, you know, earn a spot on this team. He was a core special teams guy and any sort of injury at this point is just, you know, super unfortunate for him. And hopefully he's back sooner rather than later, but you never, um, you're hoping that it's not an aggravation of what he had previously or that there's some complication here. Um, that would be devastating for, for Ramsey. So hopefully he's back sooner rather than later, but that was at least a noteworthy addition to the injury list. There were no returns from injury, which means the other injuries were David Bakhtiari, Osiris Mitchell, Patrick Taylor, Christian Watson, Malik Taylor, Elton Jenkins, Kylan Hill, Robert Tunyon, Cole Schneider, Keyshawn Nixon, and Mason Crosby. So the list continues to get a little bit bigger and bigger. Savage is probably going to be on that list now. Hopefully some of these guys can come back, but uh, there hasn't been necessarily any indication that anyone's like super near to return. So again, I talked about it before, but we'll see what the injury list brings on Sunday. Like I said, I never wanted to spend the first six minutes of family, you know, after family night talking about injury issues and who's in and who's out and those sort of things. But uh, that's a huge thing, right? This isn't, you're not playing for preseason. You're not playing for family night. You're playing for the regular season and the postseason. And getting these guys healthy and having a healthy team going into the season is super, super 
important. As Matt LaFleur has mentioned numerous occasions, and that's why they take such great care of these players during this time. So these injuries are definitely noteworthy. All right, let's get to some of the other news and notes. The player of the hour, Romeo Dobbs, had another ridiculous contested catch. This one was in one-on-ones. And, uh, you know, he just, once again, back of the end zone, very contested catch, goes up, makes the catch, gets both feet down in the back of the end zone. Some of these clips have leaked online. So if you're on Twitter, you can probably find some of these, or maybe you've already viewed them and and know exactly what I'm talking about. But another really ridiculous catch for Romeo Dobbs, who seems to come up with at least one big play. He, He has come up with at least one big play in all but one practice so far, which is just incredible for a rookie receiver. He did, though, have a drop as well. Uh, it was a, maybe a slightly outstretched for his hands, but I think one that he would love to have back. Danny Etling placed a ball where he definitely had an opportunity to go and get it. Uh, just went off. It looked like it went off his fingertips. And like I said, I would probably categorize it as a drop and one that either way, even if you're not, even if you're saying it was slightly overthrown and in maybe a tough catch, I, I guarantee you Romeo Dobbs would love to have that back. It's also a play where maybe in a regular season or playoff game, he goes full extension and make, tries to make a diving catch um, a little bit more. And in a you know family night sort of practice, you, you know I don't know that you want to put your body at that sort of risk of you know coming down on the ball and breaking a rib or you know those sort of things. So uh, I think if that was his mental makeup on that play, that's the right decision. Like don't don't risk an injury over a play that doesn't really matter. Uh, but a play that he would probably like to have back in hindsight and one that he definitely had the ability to come down with. But just the fact that this guy continues to make a ridiculous play in almost every practice is incredible. And he had another one again against Keandre Thomas in one-on-ones that was certainly noteworthy. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of questions about where's Devontae Wyatt? Why aren't you talking about Devontae Wyatt? He's the you know, first round pick and all these sort of things. And you know, uh, I know Ken Ingles on Twitter was asking about it and Aaron Nagler said, you know, you can't, you, there's a lot more that's happening than just what's happening on Twitter or that you're reading about online. And the other thing that I mentioned is that defensive line is from our vantage point at practice normally. And this is why I talked about this on the very first day after training camp about like what we can see on the sidelines and certain things we can see well and certain things we can't see well. Defensive line is one of those things that we just don't have a really great vantage point on. It's the toughest thing to evaluate for us on the sidelines. We're at eye level view and there's just like a cluster of bodies and you can kind of see the edge rusher that's on your side against the tackle that's on your side. But a lot of times you don't really get a great view of all the mess of madness that's going on in the middle of the interior of the line. And for that reason, like I, like I pointed out, like I don't think there's probably been like almost one tweet about Kenny Clark the entire training camp so far. I, I'm sure there's been a few, but like very, very minimal. And the, a big reason for that is, you know, it's really tough to gauge what's sort of going on in the interior of the line sometimes. And also the individual drills for the defensive line, the, de- the defensive line is way down on that end. And we have a cutoff, like a little gate thing as like the, how far we can go. So like, it's way down there and we can't go further to like see across from it. So like, we don't even get to see the defensive linemen well in the individual drills. Same thing with the edge rushers. So if you're wondering why maybe sometimes you don't hear about certain players, sometimes just, we don't have a great view of it and makes it really difficult to sort of report on it like we can with some other players. So that being said, going into family night, if I had to categorize Devontae Wyatt, I would say it's exactly where he's at with the depth chart. He looked like the fifth best defensive lineman on the roster going into family night. I would have easily put Jerron Reed, TJ Slayton, Dean Lowry, and Kenny Clark ahead of him. That's exactly where he's practicing. He's been the fifth defensive lineman, mostly practicing with the twos or the other end of the field. Um, and I think that's a, a fair assessment of where he had been at. That said, 
The first thing I'll note here is that Clark, Lowry, Reed, Slayton have all had really good training camps and have all made impact plays and they're deserving of their spots ahead of them. The second is that like the pads have been on for like a hot second, right? And even trying to evaluate defensive line play up until the pads come on is uh, a fool's errand, uh, quite frankly. Like you just need to see a lot of time with the pads on it. Pads have barely been on with practice whatsoever. That said, Devontae Wyatt showed out huge at family night. I thought he had his best practice of his young career, and he made multiple flash plays on a pass that we're going to talk about more in just a moment. He completely got Sean Ryan on a spin move and had immediate pressure on the inside on Jordan Love, had another pressure later in practice, had a really nice run stop. Like He was all over the place, really making some impressive plays. Those are the sort of flash plays that you want to see from your first round defensive tackle. I don't care if you're 20 years old or 24 years old. When you get from college to the NFL, there is a nuance to playing on the inside. And he's going to get a 101 from one of the best in the league in Kenny Clark. And I think that's really, really going to help Wyatt's development. But these things take time. And the fact that, like, how many... How many times when Green Bay has drafted a player like this in the past, whether it be Kenny Clark or Justin Harrell, Dayton Jones, Mike Neal, like guys in the first couple rounds, Jarrell Worthy, were like, you needed to, and that's not a great list of players, by the way, uh, but like, except for Kenny Clark, uh, you know, they've had to like throw those guys into the deep end right away just because they haven't had the depth along the defensive line more often than not. So the fact that Devontae Wyatt's in a spot where he has four really good defensive linemen ahead of him and can be the fifth guy on a, on a really deep rotation, that's a that's a really nice thing to have. I think Devontae Wyatt's going to come along just fine. I don't think he's had this gangbuster start to practice. I don't think he's with the Romeo Dobbs or the Zach Toms yet as to where the buzz is at. But I'll tell you what, family night was a really good step in the right direction for Devontae Wyatt. He was my player of practice along with Samari Toure. Both of them were uh, right up there, one and two. You could put either of them in either spot, but easily the best practice so far for Devontae Wyatt. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Speaking of Samore Toure, he had multiple big plays. He had a 54-ish yard bomb touchdown from Jordan Love where he beat two defenders. Really rough play for Tariq Carpenter, by the way, but beat two defenders, beat the safety deep, had like three or four steps on the back end. Love dropped it in a bucket. He had a great catch. And uh, again, the, the separation at the top of the route was what really set Toure apart there. He also had another play in red zone where he easily beat his man to the corner of the red zone uh, in the back of the end zone, I should say. Etling underthrew it. If it had been on time, Torrey would have had an easy touchdown, but Etling underthrew it. Torrey came back to the ball and made a super crazy contested catch on that one. Also had another really big catch um, on a, I forget if it was, I think it was in the one-on-one drills as well. So uh, Torrey had multiple pretty impressive catches throughout the course of the day, including what was probably the biggest offensive play of training camp so far in the bomb from Jordan Love to Toure. So listen, that wide receiver room and that wide receiver spot, that last one, whether it's six or seven, really tightly contested. And uh, Toure just got his name very, very much in the conversation with his performance at family night. So Wyatt and Toure, my two best players of the day uh, at family night. Jordan Love, speaking of which, up and down day. Uh, He had a pass that he threw right to Isaiah McDuffie. had a couple other throws that he definitely would have liked to have had back. McDuffie dropped that pick, unfortunately for him, uh, fortunately for Jordan Love. Uh, But that was a read that he definitely should have had back. A couple throws behind receivers. But the throw to Samore Toure was phenomenal. He had Devontae Wyatt. That was the pass rush that I talked about earlier, right in Jordan Love's face. And yet, you know, maybe it probably would have either been sacked or like um, at minimum, Wyatt probably would have hit him at the same time, which probably could have caused a fluttering ball or who knows what else. But either way, the fact that you've got pressure in your face and, you know, he throws a, a perfect dime to Samore Toure 50 plus yards down the field. That was a really great play from Jordan Love. Had a couple other really nice passes that he threw in rhythm as well. Uh, I didn't see this, but apparently he hit the, the net in, in the net drills a couple times also. So uh, up and down night from Love, like I said, some really high end plays, but a couple like the throw to uh, Isaiah McDuffie was right to him in a, a bad read, a bad throw, and just those things that he's going to have to eliminate. So we've seen some of the fluctuations with Jordan Love. And I, to be fair, I think, um, you know, we haven't seen this level of fluctuation with Love in the past. We haven't, in, in the past, we haven't seen some of those peaks that we've seen, uh, I think, in this training camp. I do think there's steps in the right direction. Just that consistency still remains a little bit of an issue for Love. So we'll see if he can sort of get that ironed out through the remainder of training camp and preseason. Speaking of drop picks, it has been an issue for the Packers defense and it remained an issue at family night. The good news is that they are getting in passing lanes all over the place. The bad news is they're not hanging onto the football. Isaiah McDuffie, as mentioned, should have had a pick on Jordan Love. Dante Vaughn had a pick six just given to him uh, by... Uh, Danny Etling, who threw an out, and it was a very ill-advised throw, and Vaughn undercut it, should have had it and gone the other way for about 40 yards-ish, dropped the ball, and that's six points that they should have had on the ball on the board that they didn't. And then Sean Davis jumps a red zone throw by Aaron Rodgers, 
and would have picked it off in the end zone, he would have went 100 yards. He would have went 100 yards for a touchdown the other way, but he dropped the ball. So some real big missed opportunities for the defense. I guarantee that's something that they're going to be stressing because there have been far too many of those in practices so far. Speaking of those red zone drills, the Packers offense only went one for seven uh, in those red zone opportunities. The defense, incredibly stingy. And even on the touchdown, a ball that Rodgers fit very tightly into Mercedes Lewis, Quay Walker was right there and just missed the deflection. So uh, another impressive day for the defense and the defense uh, won overall on the day. I thought they were once again, super aggressive, flying around to the football. Those fast inside linebackers and Campbell and Quay were all over the place. Good run defense. There were a couple of good runs. Um, the the Toure play, even on the Toure touchdown, right? Like that play probably would have been a sack or a deflection by Devontae Wyatt. So like the, the defense, again, very, very impressive day. And you do start having to ask the question, right? Of like, is this great defense or is it poor offense? I think the offensive line is a is still a major concern that Green Bay is going to have to figure out. I think some of the wide receivers, even though Dobbs has had a good camp, I, I don't think we've seen quite the separation, certainly like we have in the past with a Devontae Adams. So there are questions that need to get answered. And uh, on this day, the defense won another one. And I do think the defense is playing some really good football as well. One unit that did not have a great day was the special teams. Uh, Gabe Burkich was all over the place on kicks, very, very inconsistent, missing at least three kicks throughout, at least four kicks throughout the course of the day. Uh, he has not done anything to exhibit confidence should Mason Crosby miss any time to the point where if they think Mason Crosby is going to miss week one, they it would probably behoove them to get a, a different kicker in and start trying to figure out if, if they need to do that. Now, to be fair to Burkich, the long snapping was not good either. It wasn't good in kicking. It wasn't good in punting. Both Wordle and Coco had missed snaps, high snaps, etc., that caused issues with both the punt game and the kicking game. So that is something that also does not, you know, give off a ton of confidence right now. Another position where Coco has at least been a little bit more consistent. I, I don't know why Wordle's still on the roster. That should be another spot where you know, you know, Coco is, you know, should be competing with somebody else at this point. I, I just don't know how you could even consider keeping Wordle. So uh, that'll be another position that is is giving some some angst and anxiety and, and concern. So we'll see what they do there. And then the, the punting game as a whole that we mentioned the long snapping, but Pat O'Donnell had a couple punts that weren't as great uh, on, on family night. And then uh, there were also two holding penalties on the punt team as well. So uh, a rough day for special teams. Overall, I, f- I felt like special teams has been off to a really good start at camp, but family night was a step in the wrong direction. You're starting offensive line for the day. Yash Nyman, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, and Royce Newman. Zach Tom also did rotate in with the ones. When that happened, he was at right tackle and Royce Newman went inside at right guard. It does seem like Cole Van Landen is no longer part of this conversation. He has not had any reps with the ones recently. It seems like Zach Tom has taken that spot. So the the you know, players that are under consideration seem to be Yash, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, Royce Newman, and Zach Tom. And then the question would be if Bakhtiari comes back, how does the rest shake out, and so on and so forth. And then when Jenkins comes back, all those will remain questions, but those seem to be the players in play right now. Speaking of Sean Ryan, uh, or speaking of the offensive line, let's talk a little bit about Sean Ryan. He had a really tough day. He was the one that was on the spin move by Devontae Wyatt, got beat by Wyatt another time, also had two holding penalties on the day. There were referees there, uh, and he got called for two holding penalties. So tough day for Sean Ryan, uh, one that he hopefully learns from. I think he's had an okay start to camp. You know, he definitely has some tools to work with, but 
like we talked about with a couple of players, just consistency has really been the issue. And this was definitely his worst day. Two tight ends who had really nice days, Josiah DeGuar and Dominique Daphne were consistently getting open and catching everything that came their way. It's probably the best I've seen Daphne period in anything, games, practices, etc. He had a really nice night. And Josiah DeGuar is having the proverbial, like sneakily quiet, good, you know, off season so far. He's done a really nice job. I, I think he's in for a really big role this season. And uh, if his recent play is any indication, I think he's ready to take uh, a step in, in the positive direction in, in maybe a significant way. So uh, really liked what I I saw out of Daphne and DeGuara. The defensive line continued to play well. Slayton had a big run stop. Jerron Reed was pressuring the quarterback. Uh, Dean Lowry had another big run stop. So those guys continue to play really well. As mentioned before, uh, Devontae Wyatt, probably my player of the day. Sammy Watkins had a couple nice catches on a eventual touchdown drive that was capped off with an A.J. Dillon touchdown run. And as mentioned, Devontae Wyatt and Samari Toure, my two players of the day. The attendance was 50,112 exactly. And uh, I think the only other big takeaway here is we're going to have to monitor those injuries as we get into Sunday's practice. And uh, as Green Bay starts ramping up for their first preseason game in San Francisco uh, next Friday. So we will have everything covered here on the Packaday podcast. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. That is going to do it for me today. Always appreciate you listening. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done